need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. This is the podcast where myself, Jeff, and Eric. Hey, how you doing, everybody? We go through every single one of Steven Spielberg's movies in chronological order. Whether that benefits us or otherwise is yet to been <laughs> found out. How you doing, Eric? I'm all right, man. I've had a couple days since uh, since watching Always, so... Uh, this is, this is Saturday morning. I watched it on Thursday evening. So I've had a day to kind of like process. Let's mm-hmm. let some of the emotional scars heal up. You know, I've got a little scabbing on the scrapes on my soul that this movie Yikes. created. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> I look forward to getting into that. Um, so when you texted me, um, so Eric texted me, he said, this is, I believe the term was shit potato. <laughs> which I'm on board with the term, um, make that a t-shirt. But I was like, oh, God, oh, no, 1941. So I sat down to watch it, and I'm like, I want to thank you, because I think you setting my expectations so low helped me to um, enjoy the movie, because <laughs> I sat through it, and I'm like, oh, this ain't bad at all. Like, Okay, good. Okay. I, I really thought I was in for just, the worst thing possible and uh it is not that okay i'm glad i'm glad that i was able to assist you like that it's always funny kind of how your expectations going in can impact your your perception of the film um i i I don't know uh have you ever seen this before is this your first time this is my first trip yep okay i saw it once before uh on vhs in the 90s i think i mentioned that uh when we were watching uh the Empire one, Emperor, whatever it was, Empire of the Sun. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's worse yeah, than what we just watched. This was one of those that I caught because it was a Spielberg film and I felt like I should watch it. And I remember like having a mild distaste for it at the time, but I, I set that aside while I was watching it this time. Um, but boy, I really did not enjoy this movie. Like I I, I really I I disliked almost everything about it like there there were a few good moments in the film um that i kind of like nodded in acknowledgement um i keith david being awesome uh, uh, yeah showing up at all like i was like yeah pretty happy to see him it's a couple points uh, yeah um i i but for the most part i felt like this was one of the like smarmiest, most emotionally manipulative, sappiest pieces of saccharine sweetness that I've ever seen put to film. And none of it worked. None of it. Like not a moment in this movie worked for me. Everything felt false. Everything felt contrived. The casting felt horrible. Like I didn't enjoy any of the performances. I thought the characters were nonsense. I thought the situation was nonsense. I thought the metaphysical aspect of it was nonsense. I I just I I couldn't even buy the firefighting. Like I just really didn't enjoy it. Like I really thought it was a shit potato. Like I yeah. really really had a hard time with it. I on the other hand, um I don't know. I found it kind of a pe- I think this is good. And I'll tell you why I think this is good. Because the complaints you have about this are similar to the complaints you have about another film that's coming up in a few weeks. That's true. Uh, yeah. And I sat through this being like, yeah, that's a movie. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, hmm, I wonder if this is just a difference between you and I. So I finished the movie. Now, the very last line of the movie is fucking stupid what does I hate he, it what does he say what does he say at the end he goes that's my girl and that's my boy and that's oh, my boy God, it was the worst. i threw up in my mouth a little bit for that okay i'll give you that I fucking hated it because because they never established 
any sort of emotional connection between him and Ted. Like, uh, correct. Like nothing, yeah. nothing yes. other than him fucking with I this guy because he was Ted kind of a dick. You know, like, should have gotten with the the redhead mechanic lady. What was wrong? She's yes, awesome. CSI. She's from CSI. Should have gone with CSI. Like that's that's the instead way to go. of this person who. And and this is not a slight on the character Dorinda, who is mourning and still not over her current, you know, her 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 late boyfriend, and she's clearly hung up. Why not go with the person? I don't know. What, I don't know what Brad Johnson, aka Ted Baker's problem was. Now, did you? I don't know that you would have seen this film, but Brad Johnson, who plays Ted Baker, looked extremely familiar to me. Have you seen him in anything else? I have not, and I actually IMDb'd him, and I came across a few things on his IMDb that, like, yeah, I probably saw that at one point, you know, but I, I definitely couldn't place him liked it. in anything. I had to, <laughs> I had to go to IMDb, and I'm like, oh my gosh, which of those movies do you think it was? Oh, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. This is, oh, no worries. This is two days ago, and it, my memory is Swiss cheese. It was so. the Kirk Cameron Left Behind film. Oh, Jesus God. <laughs> so yeah, I remember I him from that. it wasn't that. That's <laughs> not what you were... Okay. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I see Kirk Cameron's name, and I just dash in the opposite direction. So, no, uh, I, I, uh, I, I know it wasn't that. He's one of the leads in that film, and, uh, yeah, and that's where I must have recognized him from because I'd seen that. So sidebar, eons ago. sidebar, yes. Those Left Behind books. Did you ever read those? I couldn't do it. My mom was into them, and I'm a, I'm a picky fiction reader. Like I really, I like science fiction and sometimes a little fantasy, and I guess you could qualify that as science fiction, but I couldn't do it, man. I, I couldn't do it. I tried also, like, I, like. I'm I'm not a particularly overtly religious person, but I'm willing to like engage with religious material, and that seemed to yeah. like uh, it was interesting enough that I was going to give it a shot, and they were so popular. But yeah, I was like, man, these are these are very poorly written. Like, <laughs> just, yeah, my big problem it. with those has more to do with them sort of being accepted as a version of fact in the what is in the bible and they are not uh and the anyway let's not go down there okay 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 yeah okay pivot back pivot back to always yeah so um this movie does start with some other so there is another problem up early maybe you'll sway me during this but richard dreyfus who i love i love richard Dreyfus on on a on a scale of hate and love what do you feel about richard dreyfus going into this Going going into Spielberg chronologically, I had my my meter on Richard Dreyfus like on the positive side. Yeah. As we are working through these films, my Richard Dreyfus meter is tanking <laughs> quickly. Like I need to, I think, watch Stakeout again to kind of get my respect for Dreyfus. Or Jaws, back. you're like, yeah, Jaws, or Jaws, yeah. Jaws, yeah. Uh, because man, I don't like him in this movie, and and I I. When we watched Temple of Doom, I was very specific to say, this is not about Kate Capshaw. This is about the character Willie. In this particular case, this is about Richard Dreyfuss. I do not like him in this movie. And and I I just feel like things about him that I find charming and interesting in other movies come off as smarmy dickishness in this movie. You know? And I feel like he was woefully miscast in this movie. Woefully miscast. He had no business being within a spitting range of this film. Um, Because he just comes off as a dick the entire movie. Like, he is not cool. He is... Before or after he dies, like yes. I, just, I, I had a real problem with him. And since he's the lead of the movie, you know, th- that caused a problem with the film for me. Yeah, I get that completely. Um, I I found him to be funny in moments. I really liked when <laughs> uh, Ted is first talking with um, the mechanic from CSI and he's trying to talk her into trying to talk Ted into asking her out or whatever. 
And then he, he just keeps talking about this girl he knew before that he's like, this is not a, he's, what did he say? This is not a method I'm familiar with or something like that. I thought that was funny. Um, I think for me, uh, Richard Dreyfus is fine in this. I really like Richard Dreyfus mostly just, and not, I'm not saying specifically in this movie, but even in the last two movies we saw him in, just judging it on him, separating him from the role. I still like Richard Dreyfus. I think he's entertaining. We'll have to watch What About Bob? Um, but I feel like there are big problems with the character, and I think they're there on purpose. Like the whole I can't say I love you thing, um, which is like one of those things is like, oh, like I know, like, I don't want to put anybody on blast, but I know people who do that. My son was bouncing on uh, a family member of mine's lap and he goes, I love you. And the person went, uh, <laughs> and like, I'm like, come on, man, what's wrong with you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like, anyway, um, yeah, but. I don't. I guess I don't have anything else to say about him. Uh, so Holly Hunter plays Dorinda Durston, which Dorinda is just a hell of a name. Um, now this opening scene where he's flying a plane alongside uh, Al Yaki, played by John Goodman, and everybody's like, "Hey, you're low on fuel. You're low on fuel," and he's like, "Nah, bro, I'm good." Two minutes later, oh shit, I'm low on fuel. I was like. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah, dummy. You're supposed to be a pilot. These are things you should know. Well, not only that, you were warned. Yeah. Multiple times. Right. You're probably low on gas. And he's just like, no, I'm good. And then so you get this entire avoidable sequence at the beginning of him having the crash land, so to speak, his airplane in a glide. Uh, uh, yeah, like, okay, so right out of the gate, he's he's woefully irresponsible, right? Because, yes. like, not only is he, like, having to guide his own plane and kind of flying by the seat of his pants and he's all sweaty and shaky and nervous, but because he totally did it to himself. But he completely disrupts the entire airfield and the operation that they're running there trying to put out this fire because all the, like medical personnel and the ambulances and the fire trucks they've all got to come out and they have the warning bell going and everybody yep. stops what they're doing to see if this asshole can land his fuelless plane <laughs> and it's kind of like if it if i were in charge of this operation i'd be like you're done dude you're done see you later you're out go work someplace else because uh again completely avoidable situation yeah totally irresponsible and and that's kind of what dorinda's problem with him is um and after he lands that plane then she does an incredibly unrealistic thing and goes and takes off in the plane and then lands it all kind of crooked and cockeyed trying to demonstrate i don't know what like i have no idea what she's trying to do here other than make him nervous the way he made her nervous uh yeah i think that's what she was trying to do yeah so that was weird and didn't make any sense um and then while she's doing that poor ted comes flying in for the first time uh and he's there to deliver birthday balloons and a birthday message to dorinda pete hired him to come and this is his only exposure to dorinda it's just this weird birthday sequence yeah and uh, like then a year later he's like oh this girl i met this girl who like was clearly with this other guy and didn't give him the time of day and he's still obsessed with her so like okay this entire birthday sequence is just bullshit like it is <laughs> just total fucking nonsense oh, you, didn't, you didn't like the girl's clothes no it was nonsense <laughs> it was absolute nonsense and like the way they all like all the dudes like rush to wash their hands it felt otherworldly i thought we were watching a comedy a bad comedy moment. it felt yeah it felt like seven brides for seven brothers like it felt like something out of like some weird old mgm 
Hollywood yeah. musical thing, and they all line up, and they all, all like- All right, boys, come and wash your hands. Get a chance to dance with her, and they're all got these goofy smiles on their faces, and just the lack of reality in that situation just totally- like right out of the gate crushed the movie for me. Cause I was like, what the hell are these people doing? <laughs> and Holly Hunter, who I, I love as right. an actress is again, woefully miscast in this movie. Woefully like mm-hmm. Holly Hunter to me is this scrappy, funny, uh, admittedly beautiful woman. Um, but but she's definitely like you know somebody who'll march towards you with both of her fists down and like like give you a piece of her mind like that's what I think yeah. of when I think of Holly Hunter I think of like Elastigirl I think of like somebody who is capable somebody who can handle oh, yeah. handle situations yeah. as they come you know and and in this movie the character of Dorinda is I think supposed to be some sort of like ethereal beauty who hypnotizes men with her feminine charms as well as being an air traffic controller i don't know what the hell she's supposed to be but whatever she's supposed to be holly hunter ain't it you know like and so that didn't make any sense to me and now while we're at it while i'm ranting about the three sure the three primaries let's talk about ted who is just nothing. He is oh, just yeah. nothing. He is not a character at all. He is a He has zero charisma. He has zero charisma. He has Which is why he gets relegated to left behind movies. Zero backstory, zero like nothing. Like he is a non-character. He is literally a human body that shows up for her to like put her love towards at the towards the the middle and the end of the movie. Like there is nothing done to develop this person as a human being at all. He does a bad John Wayne no... imitation and that's it. That's his only Yeah, that's that's his yeah. only characteristic is that he does a bad John Wayne imitation. Like he's a cipher. He is he is nothing in so to take these three kind of bad characters and have them banging off each other like pinballs and try to get some emotional response out of the viewer while interspersing it with these moments of wacky 1941 style, bad, not working comedy. Like the whole thing was just a shit show to me. Like I, I couldn't <laughs> like totally, I couldn't get my head around it. Uh, the, the comedy is so bad. The bits with the greasy hand and you got grease on your face and these touch. Yeah. Like yeah. horrible, Horribly done comedy. Same thing with the bit with the runaway uh, follow me. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Ted lands the in the plane. Planes in. Yeah, yeah, and the thing that leads the planes in takes off without a driver in it and it goes spiraling off. And Ted's just a big dummy, so he just follows it. And they have- <laughs> he just keeps off into the grass. And he's yeah, he's an idiot. It's an idiot. <laughs> like, again, utterly unrealistic. Uh, and he had already seen this machine take off on its own before that sequence happened. Right. Like, at some point, you should have been like, oh, yeah, it's probably just off on the run. It was like Michael Scott following the GPS off the dock into the lake, you know? Like, but that show is supposed to be <laughs> like, wacky. Funny. Yeah. This, so, oh, yeah. Okay. I've ranted long enough. I'll let you, I'll let <laughs> no, you talk. I'm here for this. This is great. <laughs> um, so let's talk about John Candy as Al Yaki. How do you feel about him? Uh, John Goodman. John Goodman. John Goodman. John Candy. Um. <laughs> forgive me fine rest in peace john candy fine kind of kind of wasted a little bit you know like um again like a lot of his character motivations don't make much sense to me there's this scene where he finds dorinda working as an air traffic controller uh after pete's death and i don't know he like shames her for going he on with her life, it. like he loses no his mind reason. and freaks out what? on her, and you know, you just quit. And it's like, dog, what is your problem? Like she was in mourning and she went off and found a new job. Like why? Why are you flipping I, out? Yes. And and in that moment, she seems to understand why he's flipping out. Um, but it, it, I feel like the whole movie was like that. There are all these like leaps. Uh, there's action with no motivation. There's 
emotional reaction with no cause. There's, uh, it just, nothing clicks for me with this. Nothing. Yeah. There's a moment, and I I don't know if it's Dreyfus or John Candy. I think it might have been John Can't. John Good- Goodman. <laughs> Uh, John Goodman, who says, you know, they don't make movies about pilots like us that fly and fight fires. And I'm like, and I, this is before we're full. I'm full into the movie. This is really early on. I'm like, maybe they shouldn't, you know, <laughs> like because here's this one that is about these guys. But um, yeah, I, I get that. I, I I was fine with John Candy and Goodman. <laughs> yep. Oh my God. Let me have some more tea. Hold up. Um. Yeah, I like the performances I can get where you're coming from and everything you're saying is valid. And for some reason, it didn't ruin the movie for me because I guess the idea of um, this guy dying and then essentially being an angel and, and helping guide people I was an interesting enough idea to me where I was like, oh, OK, oh, let's see where this goes. Like I didn't fully get where the movie was going and i think it kept me at least entertained for its runtime yeah um and and like i said i think what you said is totally valid but i also was fine with the sort of unrealistic nature of it because one he dies and then he meets audrey hepburn in the woods who's an angel named hap and then he goes back and he tries to help people um but does he does he try to help people? Not until late into the film. I feel like people succeed in spite of him. Like, I don't think he's helping anybody in this movie. I think for the most part... He's really trying to sabotage he's trying, Ted for most of it. He's trying to sabotage Ted. He's, like, emotionally torturing his ex-girlfriend. Yes. Um. He's, he's acting in completely selfish, non-self-aware ways, and... Uh, not doing anything to benefit anyone except for himself. He's a jerk. He's just a jerk. Like maybe the only thing that he does worthwhile is kind of help Dorinda with the flying towards the end of the movie. You know. Yeah. Um, which again, that didn't make sense. I don't know why she took the plane. No, I, I don't know why she took the plane either. Like, I don't know why she took the plane the first time to keep Brad Johnson from dying. I guess. I, I mean, yes, like it, because at this point they've had one date and she can't stand to lose him the way she lost Pete. But you know, he's not incredibly irresponsible the way Pete was. So I don't know why she would think that he wouldn't be able to succeed at this. Um, Although it's not shown on screen, apparently he has gained some sort of competence in his career as a firefighter. Um, he goes from being utterly incompetent to being, you know, a seasoned veteran in like... By following the stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree too. The Ted Baker is definitely the weak, weakest part as far as character development goes. Yeah, I... Uh, oh. I don't know. I like it. Just pieces of this movie keep flashing in my mind and it angers me. Like, I had a harder time getting through this film than I had getting through 1941. I can't imagine. Okay, this is a question I ask on uh, the movie Draft House. You're locked in a room, you've got a copy of Always, and you've got a copy of 1941. And you have to put one in and watch it to completion to get out of the room. Which one do you put on? I think I put on 1941 because as awful as it is, there's Dan Aykroyd and it's not. I mean, this movie, in, in addition to being horrible in many ways, it bored me. You know, it really yeah. bored me. Like, See, I'm the other way around. I will watch this because this at least has a narrative structure. This at least is like, here's where we're starting. Here's where we're going. Now, along the way, maybe there's some rocky bits, but at least tells a story. 1941 doesn't do any of that. That's 1941 true. is a shotgun blast of bullshit at the wall. And yeah, this is at least a movie. Yeah, at the very end of the day, and it is shorter. It, like that, you can get through it faster. 
<laughs> so maybe yeah. maybe I would lean towards always instead of 1941. But I mean, it is a tough call. Like if I had to rank when it comes time to ranking the worst movie, I'm going to have a real yeah. hard time deciding between these two because uh, I, I feel like this was every bit as bad. And it's so hard to imagine that this guy who had just come off of uh, Temple of Doom and the color purple and even uh, Empire of the Sun vastly superior to this nonsense you know like uh see i i it wouldn't even be a question because right now my bottom three would be 1941 is the bottom bottom and then what was the one you just said empire of the sun yeah that would be next because that is boring for two and a half hours and then maybe always i i don't you know like because uh the only other one I would think it would be down there maybe be Savage, but I mean, I don't know. But uh, yeah, this is not to me anywhere close to as bad as those other two. Empire of the Sun is the worst kind of movie, despite its um, competence. It's so boring. Well, <laughs> yeah, see, I found it's this the worst thing a movie can be. I found this and way this more least... boring. I found this way more boring. Like, but the majority, like my, my, my biggest, most consistent reaction to this film was, what the hell are you trying to do? Like, yeah. like that's the feeling I had the entire time watching this movie. What the hell are you trying to do? And uh, it was just, it was, it was frustrating. It was uh, boring. Oh, oh! I really don't like it. I <laughs> really, <laughs> I see that. really have a hard time with it. Um, so I, I'm glad that you did enjoy it on a on a different. It, it was something to watch, and I've watched it. Like I think that's the thing is like, and again, you set my expectations to the rockiest of bottoms. There are a few things worse than a shit potato, and I so I went in being like oh lord 1941 god and it just wasn't it 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 had charismatic performances even though they might be miscast richard dreyfus is still charismatic on mm. screen he's not Mm-mm. he is not brad johnson levels of just nothing no he's not brad johnson levels of just even nothing. if he's annoying to you brad johnson is that is something yeah, but it's Brad, worse than being nothing like Brad Johnson. Like, like I found Richard Dreyfuss actively off-putting in this movie. His one, okay. the one good moment that he has in this movie is when his plane is in on fire, and he looks over at John Goodman, and like he knows he's gonna die, and he kind of like oh, was... he kind of gestures with his head, like, "Oh, look at this shit!" And then the plane just blows up. Like I was I like, loved that moment. That yeah. was a great moment in the movie. So and, even and that that's moment the one that moment where up... I feel like they used him correctly. You know? Yeah. Um, other than that, I just found him to be like nails on a chalkboard in this movie. Yeah, I liked the sequence where he saves John Goodman. Um, where, you know, he, he, John Goodman is pretty much knows he's screwed. And it's a really, I think, really well-acted performance by John Goodman, um, where he's, like, looking at his dials, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm screwed. Like, and he just kind of says it like that. It He knows it's over for him. And uh, Richard Dreyfus doesn't go out like that, and he swoops in and he empties his, this fire retardant payload onto... Uh, the airplane um which saves john goodman and i like that sequence i like that they established that he is this sort of um reckless person and he's that recklessness pays off in saving his friend's life um i like that moment and then i that the i didn't see the when he looked at his wing and he's like, look, this is on fire. We already saw another plane on fire and that situation worked out. But this one, it goes from bad to deadly in microseconds. And because like he looks and he's he's on fire. He's like, huh. And you said you, he kind of knows he's screwed. But I'm like, I don't know that he does. But he looks at Goodman. He's like, look, I'm on fire now. And then he can't even get it out before his plane just erupts. And John Goodman's face is like, oh, no. Like, I thought that that was because it's one of those moments where there's no question. 
he's on that plane, he's dead, right? Yeah. There's no, is he okay sort of thing. And I think John Goodman's face sells that. Um, I, I That whole sequence to me was one of the bright spots. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I also think uh, in general, while some of the character motivations in those firefighting sequences don't make any sense to me, Holly Hunter in particular at the end, I do think that the sequences themselves are pretty spectacular. Like, I, I think uh, in general, again, the special effects absolutely hold up. They seemed I, totally seamless to me. Like, I I exactly I bought it. No, no point where I'm like, mm. especially where that final sequence with Holly Hunter flying the plane I, I I was on board. I thought, it, regardless of her motivation, I found that to be a very thrilling um, sequence. And I, I, I really enjoyed that because I didn't know, I personally didn't know if she was going to bite it or not. Because, And I think one of the reasons I didn't know whether she was going to die or not is because they hadn't established her relationship with uh, Don Juan very well, where I'm like, well... They're, they could still not end up together and be perfectly fine. Yeah, know? totally. Like, she might she'd... die and end up with Pete. Like, which, which right. might and have I been was a like, more satisfying ending. You know, like, I think <laughs> maybe that's why I was like, this. she may not make it out of this. And I think that made the scene even more thrilling and spectacular. Um, yeah, I like that final sequence. Yeah, I think I probably would have preferred if she had bought it and ended up with Pete. Uh, over, but not in a uh, kill um, Not in a kill Willy, Willy way. Sort of way. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't always cheer for the female lead to die just for the sake of cheering for them to die. Yeah. Uh, I just found that her relationship with Ted was so nonsensical and so uh, unrealistic that, you know, I, I what the fuck was she doing in the kitchen? Can we just talk about the kitchen for a second? What the hell was that sequence with the kitchen when she's getting ready? I'm sorry. I just, it just hit me. It just, <laughs> it just came over me all in a rush. She's getting ready for the first date with Ted and she's pretending yeah. to cook dinner, which she bought at some place. And, a la <laughs> Miss Doubtfire. Yeah. And so she's dumping the turkey in the pan and shoving it in the oven and kind of like pretending like she's been cooking. And she makes the most heinous mess in her kitchen to pretend that she's been cooking. She's doing the potatoes with the thing, and then she pulls it out and turns it on and just lets it splatter all over the walls. And she throws, <laughs> like, my wife was like, what is she, 12? This is how a 12-year-old would pretend that they knew how to cook. Like, it's the she clearly doesn't know how to cook, and that's what she thinks. Maybe when she was growing up and her parents would cook, that's what the kitchen looked like afterwards. Uh, I don't know. She went Perfect. Perfectly reasonable. She went to the Three Stooges school of pretending to know yeah, how to cook. That was a bit much and like the whole movie was like that though. Like people do stuff throughout the entire movie that's like either too much or it doesn't make any sense or like I, I don't know. It's this is another case like nineteen forty one where I feel like physical comedy is not Spielberg's thing. Oh yeah. Like the, well, the burning cigar and all of that. It's just painful. It is painfully bad like spielberg nails character driven comedy like you know dad what dad what you know like that whole bit from last crusade like, uh, how much of that though is like the caliber of the actor on screen yeah true but yeah. but i mean like those exchanges like holly hunter has one good moment when the girl when the girl clothes fall on the steps and somebody goes towards him she's like get away from him you know like that moment i was like oh that was actually kind of funny you know like yeah. like character driven verbal exchanges that's where his strength lies Pe yeah. penis breath like that moment and the fifth like the reaction from the mom like those are the moments that really work comedy wise physical comedy no absolutely like just not not this guy's strength at all you know yeah. and like i think george lucas has a similar problem where like he reached this pinnacle in his career to the point where nobody around him is willing to step forward and just be like uh dude like this isn't working out you know like i, I if somebody around him had the gall to to just kind of step up and just be like dude not funny like this is not funny find something else to do in this moment um and then they replaced like half of the movie yeah um 
Yeah. So I, I'm thinking of like the you do have a uh, uh, dinosaurs on your uh, dinosaur tour, right? You know, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's but look who's delivering it. You know, like there's I think there could be parts where you could even argue that the good comedy is just because the caliber of the performer. I mean, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery. Um, why am I blanking on my man's name? Malcolm. Ian Malcolm. Good. John Goodman. John. No, John Goodman. Jesus yep. God. John Candy. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Thank you. Same initials. He, he, absolute, uh, you know, master of what he does. So uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward, keeping track of the, the good comedy moments and see how many of them are actually pulled off by people um, that don't already have tremendous chops. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, like these people in this film are good performers. John Goodman is a fantastic comedic performer, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm thinking of him in um, Lebowski. Oh, man, just like slays in Lebowski. He's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Holly Hunter, you know, raising Arizona um, again, real scrappy, very funny uh, sort of performer. Um, you know, Richard Dreyfus. What about, what about Bob? I, don't know, I can't get down. With <laughs> you don't what like about what about Bob? Bob? Yeah. What about Bob falls <laughs> under the category of movies? I call them the cable man movies. And it's, it's oh. movies where one of the characters is so goddamn irritating that I can't enjoy the movie. Okay. And so, no, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, um go ahead. No, nah, I didn't have anything else to say. I'm, yeah, I'm done I, ranting. I'm done ranting about this movie. Okay. So, um, I really, like we said, with that final sequence with the plane, her flying through the flames, that all looks fantastic to me. Um, and most of the plane stuff looks great. Like when they're up in the plane, there's no like, oh, the green screen on this, you know, it, it does look pretty amazing. It does. Yeah. There's no green screen false moments at all in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I get I, I don't really have much else to say. Uh, I guess we could talk about Audrey Hepburn's brief appearances. She's in like two scenes. Yeah, she's in two scenes. And I guess we can use that to kind of lead into my questions, because okay. I, I, I as much as I didn't want to think about this movie, I went ahead and thought about this movie. <laughs> Came up with some questions. <laughs> so the question number one is, what is Hap? Is Hap an angel? Is Hap God? Is Hap the spirit that has been guiding Pete through his life and is now passing along that responsibility Ooh. to him? Was she Ooh. a pilot? Like, what? what is Hap? No, I'm going to go with that last one. I like that one. Yeah? I like the Hap is, is what Dreyfus is going to be. You know, that at some point when uh, Ted bites it and he passes the responsibility on to Ted... I like that. That's what I'll go with, just because I like the the structure of that, and I hadn't thought of it. Because in the movie, I'm like, this is just an angel who's like, here's your mission now. And I, but I do, I do like the idea that in order for her to move on to the respite of heaven or whatever, where she actually just gets to chill, is to pass on the make sure that he's trained and up to speed on not being a complete jerk <laughs> she has to pass the torch his angelic role um, but then again at the end of the movie he essentially ascends like he does what he's supposed to do and yeah well you know nothing says the movie makes yeah, sense maybe that doesn't work i mean like I, I find the idea of dying and then having like somebody who's been watching over me my entire life uh, have a conversation with me to be kind of horrifying. Like they know your search history. Exactly. <laughs> your global life search history, Just, you know, yeah, like, you don't need yeah all that back off, all that shit back off app. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, I found, I found Hap to be interesting. Like as a spiritual guide, I found that concept to be interesting. I found the casting of Audrey Hepburn to be interesting. I, I dearly love Audrey Hepburn. I love watching the, her old movies. And so, mm -hmm. you know, very nice to see her in this role. Um, a little bittersweet because it was her last film role. Uh, but, okay, next question about Hap. The space that Hap inhabits, right, 
It's like okay, the little green patch it's, of it's land. It's like a little green patch of land surrounded by dirt. Right? And I'm not 100% sure what this is supposed to represent, like metaphorically or symbolically. But I did notice that Dorinda's house near the airfield is also a little green patch of land surrounded by dirt. Mm, Coincidence, I ask you, or purposeful, I uh, I don't know, symbolism? Yeah, I think it's a purposeful symbolism. Um, But I don't know why or what it means. I think they did it on purpose, but maybe they don't have a reason. You know, like, yeah, we'll just connect these two. People wonder, I have this thing. You ever seen Donnie Darko? Oh, yeah, I love Donnie Darko. Oh, I love Donnie Darko, yeah. See, to me, my idea of Donnie Darko is they had a hat with ideas in it, and they pulled all the ideas out randomly, and they said, let's shoot a movie, and then everybody got on Reddit and was like, oh, what do you think this means? And I feel like that's what this is. This is, we'll put that in. Someone will find some sort of relevant meaning in it. Oh, no, I know exactly what Donnie Darko means. Oh, okay. I know exactly what it means. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I know you're tight. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a podcast for another time, but I really feel like at some point we need to make a point to get to Donnie Darko. Oh, Because please. A, I want to make you watch it, and then B, I want to explain why it's great. <laughs> I've seen it, and I'm ready to take a gigantic dump all over it. <laughs> a pretentious piece of crap. Anyway, um... Okay. I'd rather watch always if locked in a room. Um, Pete. They put Pete in a position of giving advice. Is Pete really qualified to give people advice? Hell no. On flying? <laughs> Hell no. On love? You know, like, would you want Pete as your guardian angel? Hell no. Like, so the only thing he's qualified for is when it's to hit the target, right? That's his strong suit. When it comes to hitting the target with the the red water that puts out fire, that's him. That's his specialty. Right. That's the one hundred percent. That's the one thing he's good yeah. at in life. Is <laughs> it is kind of interesting why they chose this dude? Other than two, I guess he can learn from his mistakes, and you know, because there's times where you can advise other people better than you can advise yourself, like because you you're too been too much time with yourself and you sometimes you know on the outside looking in you can give better direction but um no absolutely not i don't want this guy no yeah i don't either like like in my view uh at the beginning of the movie he pretty much fails at everything you know like he is not a good boyfriend or partner in any way he is not a good pilot um, like you said, his one thing is that he can dump the stuff on the fire. Like that's, that's what he can do at, at, at cost to everything else. You know, like he's able to dump the stuff on the and fire. And there's some misogyny here, right? With him that I, I think, so the whole, his relationship with her feels like a little off to me in the sense of like, when they have their fight about him retiring essentially and going into training and the way she's like, the way I guess she's sort of manipulating him into doing what she wants. She's like, well, I'm going to fly with you. And he's like, no, I won't let you, you know. And it kind of gets this like, who the hell are you sort of thing, you know, like demanding that she can't fly. But it's this weird twisted thing where the way they make each other do things is by not saying them but by manipulating each other into doing them. The, the whole thing, the thing that really chaps my ass with this guy is the not saying I love you thing. And I know that this is a movie from the 80s. Is this 80s or 90s? I think we're 80s. talking late 80s here. 89. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, he just, I can't, and you want me to say it in front of all these people? Oh, yeah. Kiss my ass, bro. And the only time he's brave enough to say it is when the engines on his plane are so loud, no one can hear it, including her. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that, that, I do think their their relationship is like heartily unhealthy. <laughs> yes. Like that. And the whole that's my girl thing is so possessive. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. bad. And like, especially after he's dead. That's my girl, pal. It's like, dog, like, 
you're out. <laughs> you're done. You had your shot. You had your shot, and you chose to go hot dog it around, you know, in your plane, and now your shot now, is over. They, I think they do establish that the movie is like, well, it'd be one thing if you were trying to save someone's life and did something reckless, but you're reckless for the sake of being reckless. And this last thing he does, though, is to save John Goodman. Uh, and so a moment of heroism yeah yeah brought on of course i mean like enhanced by his recklessness let's say well this recklessness pays off nobody else would take that chance right and uh, and i think that worked in that moment i think that that whole establishing he's reckless he's kind of this risky pilot it really works because he's the only one brave enough to take the nosedive he needs to take that they say, you can't pull out of that. You need to slow down. You can't pull out of that. But, you know, and I think, again, that whole sequence to me works really, really well. Yeah. Just plucked out of the film. Yeah, you're right. Um, the, the idea of him coming back as an angel, not only to help people, but to uh, kind of let go of his earthly attachments was interesting to me. I don't think that it's well developed. Have you ever seen uh, Jacob's Ladder? No. Oh, oh, it's a must. Tim Robbins, uh, Danny Aiello, you you should really watch it because it has a similar, very different in uh, theme and tone. It's like a horror movie, but it has a, a, a similar idea of living your life or like burning away your earthly attachments so you can move on after death. And um it's done much better in that movie, but that theme did kind of like resonate with me a little bit. Like I've always felt in life, like if I were to be a ghost, I would be the guy that like haunted the hell out of my family and refused to leave, you know? And, and so the idea that, you know, you can actually have a process to go through after death that would kind of like free your spirit from, you know, letting go of your emotional ties to the earth is interesting. I would just go watch free movies in the theater. <laughs> just go hang out and like as a ghost, ghost in the theater. They can't see you. You just go. You find a seat. <laughs> watch free movies. Okay, so on that note, if you died today, in and, and mm. you were in the Always Universe, what do you think they would recruit you to do? Um, this is a good question, and I can get pretty deep. I guess it is a deep question. Um, the things that I'm good at that actually benefit the world, um, I feel that I can encourage people quite well. Um, I have really good at like, um, I don't know, this is really deep and we'll, I'll start getting upset, not upset, but, <laughs> uh, I really like people and I like giving them self-confidence and speaking good things into them. And that's what this character is supposed to be doing. You know, you are good. You have what it takes. You, um, you are capable. And then giving them the tools to live that way it comes from going to lots of counseling and things that I have to tell myself. So, um, that's what I would like to do, <laughs> you know, be that show the, be the good angel in the ear no, you got this. You're good. You've got like seeing people's talent and then telling it to them until they believe it. That's pretty good. That's 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 a noble uh, and admirable thing way to spend your afterlife, I think. And then I'd go to movies. Right. Of course. <laughs> Whispering people's when they're at the sleep, movies. <laughs> I was like, hey, man, move. I want the recliner. Yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. Like, it's interesting because, like, my my first gut reaction would be, well, I'd want to follow my children around and and help them. Um, but I don't know in this situation if what you get assigned to is necessarily your choice, right? Like, yeah. it, like, and do you really want to see? Think of it like with the father thing, not to take your glory uh, and your moment, but like, would you really want your dad following you? Well, around? that's just like, it. Like that doesn't yeah. that kind of like infringe on their rights as individuals to have creepy ghost dad lurking around while they're trying <laughs> yeah. to, while they're trying to live yeah. their lives, you know? So, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, similar to you, like I live my life 
like trying to be a good human being and trying to be respectful to others. Um, and, and so I feel like, like that might be, uh, you know, the one piece that I have to offer. Like, I feel like all of my talents, like they, they assigned him to a pilot because he was a pilot. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything in my life that I'm (laughs) that good at that I would be able to encourage anybody else to exceed, like career-wise. I found it interesting. So let me. I found it interesting that they focused on his career. You know, like and put him with another one because I don't identify myself with my career all that much. You know, like I do a lot of things. You know, we do this podcast. I I write about video games. I you know, like spend tons of time with my family, but like my career, like as far as like my identity goes is like last on that list, you know? Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I think, I think it would be an interesting surprise to see what, what they picked for me, you know, like, Oh really? I'm going to follow around the septic tank. All right. You know, (laughs) Hey, I'm down for that. See, that's the kind of thing I like the front line people like i guess it comes from working in a corporation it's like i'm here for the frontline people i'm here for the ones that don't know you don't have to be afraid of the executives right you can speak your mind and and like i so the following around the the um what's the waste management guy i'm on board um what i don't want to follow around is the dickish vp who's like cutting jobs to increase his own bonus oh yeah <laughs> maybe i could do more well, good maybe, there but maybe, i don't think yeah. he'd listen. maybe that's where you're needed though you know like maybe maybe you got yeah. a whisper in that like, guy you don't need another you don't need another hundred thousand on your bonus let those people keep their jobs you know like just chill chill out. right, right. you spend God, the afterlife really? just whispering don't be a dick and <laughs> stop it you don't need another maserati <laughs> god all right when when there's the sequence where Pete and Ted land in a storm and they encounter this uh, hobo guy who can hear and repeat some of uh, what what Pete says to Ted. And of course, they use it as a uh, like a wacky way for Pete to have poor communication with Ted. Right. Like the things yeah. the things that he's saying are not communicating. But uh, so. Aside from what happens in that sequence, where the hell are they? Like, what is that that they've landed at? You know, like, it looks... Uh, was that an emergency It was landing? like an emergency landing, and it looks okay. like they've landed at something almost out of a dream. Like, everything is crooked and weird, and the doors are like, like, where the hell are they? Maybe Hap teleported them to some other ethereal plane where they could have this moment with this possible... Uh, bizarre angel did you recognize him i did recognize him I but i don't know from what but yeah he have home alone oh is that it he's the old he's man, old man next alone. door oh my gosh you're totally right yep. <laughs> you're totally right yeah i i knew i recognized him like immediately i was like oh it's that guy but yeah yeah um yeah I, this uh, i i didn't even think about the uh, where they were i just really was like that voice when he started talking i'm like i know him and then they showed him I'm like oh yeah yeah, I, I'm really on board with your uh, Hap Hap uh, moving them to an ethereal like because because <laughs> uh, Hap's not having it with Pete and his nonsense, you know. Yeah, so he keeps trying to blow it like, and then in that moment, he's going to use his powers to keep uh, him away from Dorinda, and so she moves him to a place where that guy can basically steer the conversation totally undermine his intentions because his intentions are not pure he is a bad guardian angel (laughs) um all right last one uh because we talked about everything else this movie is uh based on a film called a guy named joe from the 1940s and uh a guy named joe was about uh wartime pilots do you think that pivoting away from wartime towards firefighting uh, is a detriment to this film. Would it have been better had they been wartime pilots? No. And I think, no, I don't think that the, the career around it really affects. Cause if it's a wartime pilot thing, they die. I don't I To me, I, that's less interesting to a degree. I don't know. 
I don't think it fixes or hurts or helps the film in any way. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you might have more dog fights as opposed to firefights, but how many dog fights have you seen in movies? You know, and how many times, how many movies you can think where you get that final sequence of uh, of Dorinda flying the plane through the flames to dump the the flame retardant out on top of the the fire, and you get all this thing where her going through the brush of the trees, and like you're not going to see that in a, a a war movie, which there are tons of. We've got some coming up, you know, and um, yeah, I, I think this is I think it's more interesting to kind of focus on something that doesn't get a lot of focus. Yeah, OK, I'll buy that. Like when I asked the question, I I, I felt very much like, oh, no, war, war would have been better. Um, but I see what you're saying. Like, it is something that is not necessarily focused on in films very much. I'm thinking of like firefighter movies. Uh, backdraft, backdraft, that Angelina Jolie thing from last year that came on HBO during the pandemic. The opening to Sudden Death starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, of course. Yeah, the opening. <laughs> Everyone knows Everyone that. Everyone knows that. Um, yeah, so not not many firefighters, particularly not many firefighter pilot films. So shining a light into that world that we don't often see, which is uh, it, it, one thing that struck me watching the movie was like, man, in current day these people are out there all the time doing this like there's yes. there is never not giant fire fires burning up the united states you know and yeah, so especially in the west this career is like it's happening right now like i'm sitting here watching this movie and this is happening right now in probably four states out west you know these people yep. are out there fighting these fires and uh that is pretty tremendous to think about you know like whew, that's got to be a rough career man yeah yeah I mean, but if you love flying and you don't want to have to murder people in the air uh really good choice i guess yeah have you, you ever know? have you ever heard about the thing where they uh allow prisoners to become forest firefighters like uh Ooh. yeah there's like a program where um you know, like instead of working in the cafeteria at the prison or whatever, uh, the people who are, you know, obviously trusted and kind of on good behavior can go out and fight fires in the forest, which I think is interesting. Uh, I'm not sure about it ethically, you know, <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty dangerous job, but I bet you like some of those people are like, hell yeah, I'll go out into the forest and fight the fire just to get out of this dump for a while. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. That knowing someone who has done work release, that is very much the the getting out and doing the work on work release is actually one of the bright spots of the day. And it doesn't matter that they get paid zero, basically. Like they get paid a couple bucks, I think. But um not being in the facility, actually being outside for a while is usually enough, uh, worth it to them. But not, again, there is definitely ethical issues there. But yeah. 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 Interesting. All right, so uh, I think I'm I'm ready to wrap on always. Are you good? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I yeah. I, I we don't have a rating system, so we'll just be like um, you know, we'll get to rating it later on when we finish all these damn movies. But we're back again next week. We're doing another bonus. You're gonna be sick of us. Because we are going to review Back to the Future Part 2. Part 2. Um, because we are on the quest to finally get this man to watch Part 3. Yeah, I'm not resistant. I just never have. So, yeah, I'm uh, yeah. I'm psyched. And, and and Back to the Future 2, I'm definitely less familiar with than, than I was 1. Oh, it's probably my favorite. I've been having more thoughts about Marty and him leaving these dead timelines behind, so I'm interested in talking about that some more. Oh, you want dead timelines? <laughs> this is the one you want to get into. This is where they really just say, let's really dig in. Like, time travel in the first one was was the plot device. In this movie, it's the central focus. Like, what happens when you screw up the timeline? Ah, oh, it's good. Uh, well, if you want to check out Eric's stuff, be sure to look in the show notes. There's Gaming Nexus. Um, there's his YouTube channel. Just go click on there. You can find my stuff in there uh, on Twitter. You can find Eric at Eric underscore Hotter. Myself is Podcast by Jeff. You can look at the movie Draft House if you want more movie reviews. There's all kinds of stuff. 30 Days of Van Damme, which by the time this comes out will long be finished. 
Um, maybe, maybe I'll keep watching crappy action films because I really enjoy it. Gonna run out of Van Damme here pretty soon, right? Uh, yeah. There's probably by the time I'm done, there's probably eight or so Van Damme movies left over that some of them are hard to find, uh, and then some of them are like French, and I don't really want to watch because hmm. uh, reading yeah. in this day and age. Oh come on, man! <laughs> yeah, a discussion yeah. for another time. <laughs> no, we will we will fight about subtitles right. later. <laughs> no, I prefer subtitles over dubbing for oh, sure. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, dubbing but, makes me insane. Yeah. I turn things off when they're dubbed. All right. Well, we'll see you next week for Back to the Future 2. And um, that that's, that's my boy over that's there. That's it. No, that's my girl. <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>